Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's second teaching in the book of Psalms, chapters 22 through 24, called The Shepherd's Psalms. Back to Psalm 22. Now, you're going to see a turn in Psalm 22, and the psalm is going to turn from lament to praise. And what you're going to see is a link from the answered prayer to the reason why this all occurred. And the reason is the church. Jesus' suffering was to save you and me. It was to finish the work of redemption. Just a little bit from my notes. You might be asking, how did the Lord answer him? Well, let him go through suffering, but the Father did this so that the church could be purchased with the blood of the Messiah the Messiah, Hebrews 12, 2, did it for the joy set before him, the joy of fulfilling his father's will, and the joy of purchasing his bride with that dowry of his blood. That was the joy set before him. The pulpit com- commentary puts it this way. The conviction suddenly comes to the sufferer that he is heard. Still, the adversaries are round about him, the dogs, the lions, the strong bulls of Bashan, now showing as ferocious wild cattle, menacing him with their horns. But all the sufferer's feelings are changed. The despondent mood, verses 1 through 21, has passed away. He is not forsaken. He has one to help. In one way or another, he knows himself, he feels himself delivered, and he passes from despair and agony, even while on the cross, into a condition of perfect peace and even exaltation. He passes, in fact, from death to life, from humiliation to glory, and at once he proceeds to show forth his thankfulness by a burst of praise. The last strophe of the psalm, the last verses that we'll look at, is the jubilant song of the Redeemer. Now that his mediatorial work is done and his life of suffering is finished. Father, remove the cup. Son, I can't remove the cup. And then a chapter later, he's able to look at a thief dying next to him and say, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The reason he can say that is because he's suffering for that man's sin. He's dying that that man can be in paradise even though he's a sinner worthy of dying in the way in which he is. Notice now the turn in the psalm. I will tell, 22, Psalm 22, 22. I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise thee. All of a sudden, this focus now comes on the word brethren. And it is interesting. I looked up the word, and there's a couple times when Jesus uses it. In Matthew 28, 10, he says, Don't be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. There they shall see me. In John 20, verse 17, Jesus says, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. In Psalm 22, 22, all of a sudden, the picture switches from the cross to the Savior being in the midst of a company of the redeemed. 
and he is now giving praise to God. I want you to hold your place in Psalm 22 and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Take a look, Hebrews chapter 2. The book of Hebrews is a book all about the superiority of Jesus to everything, to the law, to Moses, to Joshua, etc. And now in Hebrews chapter 2, take a look. You'll notice that these verses get quoted. Uh, this is Hebrews 2.11. Hebrews 2.11. It says, for both he who sanctifies, Hebrews 2.11, and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, 12, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. There's Psalm 22, 22. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And then in verse 13, it says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me, the brethren, the disciples, those you have given me, I've lost none except for the one who it was prophesied about. That would be Judas Iscariot. There are scholars that believe that in the midst of heaven one day, we will hear Jesus sing. Isn't that interesting? If you look at Hebrews uh, 2, just for a second again, it says in verse 12, I will proclaim Thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation, what's your Bible say? I will sing thy praise. And it is interesting, on the night that Jesus was betrayed and he instituted the Last Supper, it says they sang a hymn before they went out and Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was a singer. <laughs> and the Psalms are songs. And if you can imagine for a second, going back to Psalm 22, being in heaven one day, being at that great table, whatever it's all going to look like, and having Jesus initiate a song, and you get to sing along, I bet you he has a pretty good singing voice, don't you think? In fact, I would argue that he is the inventor of music, right? That it, it comes from him. And I'm talking about the right kind of music, but I'm talking about the fact that God is a God of creativity and majesty and and beauty. It is amazing to think of this aspect of Jesus singing. Now, the psalm will continue, and I, I want to just encourage you, and if you mark your Bible, mark how many times it says something about praise. I will praise him. I will praise you, verse 22. Look at verse 23. You who fear the Lord, what should you do? Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. These are three beautiful responses to who God is. And what he's done in Psalm 22, Jesus has died for us, so we should praise him, we should glorify him, verse 23, and we should stand in awe of him. Amen? Stand in awe of him. Psalm 33, 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world Stand in awe of him. And then it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Stand in awe of him. See, this is what believers do. We have awe for our God, for his majesty, for his glory, for who he actually is. And though our world has lost that, though there are many who have no fear of the Lord, God's people 
stand in awe of him. And one of the reasons they stand in awe of him is because of his great love for us. Because this glorious being who spoke the world into existence and holds it together by the word of his power condescended to save the likes of me and you. It's amazing love. And that's one of the reasons we stand in awe of him. Psalm 119, verse 164 says, seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Psalm 119, 164, stand in awe seven times a day. I don't know if I've done it seven times today, but I would encourage you with that verse, man, don't stop praising him. It changes your life. 24, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried for help, he heard. Now, this whole psalm is about the Messiah. So this answers some questions about what happened at the cross. And I'll let you chew on this a little bit, but many of you who have studied what happened at the cross and when the sins of the world were coming upon Jesus, when darkness fell and the earth quaked and it shook and everything, what exactly happened? Did the father turn his face away? In some way, was the son, uh, you know, I'll put in quotes, separated from the father? I don't know how all that would work within the triune nature of God. But what I will say is verse 24 says that God did not despise the affliction of the afflicted. You know, sometimes when we're going through affliction, others can despise us, right? We can look at somebody else's problems and sometimes, you know, the world can mock afflicted people. And it's a sad reality when that happens, but it does happen. There are people who will mock others who are afflicted. It happened to Job, and if you were with us when we studied the book of Job, we learned that Job is a foreshadowing of a greater Job, the suffering, innocent Messiah. He became a picture of the suffering servant who was innocent but suffered nonetheless. And Job, when he went through his affliction, even his wife said, curse God and die. Thanks, honey. Appreciate it. Can you make me some toast? Don't burn it. You know, that kind of, I mean, come on, right? And uh, to be a crucifixion victim, uh, it was so, uh, just such a thing that was so despised in the Roman world that they didn't even want to discuss the word crucifixion. It was anathema to them. It was disgusting. And here is the God who made the world, God the Son, through whom everything was made, becoming a man, and suffering on the most despised, humiliated uh, place that you could be afflicted was the cross, to suffer in this way. And though he was despised and rejected, the Father did not abhor the affliction of the afflicted, neither did he hide or has he hidden his face from him. So that may answer our question about the dynamics. Again, I'll let you consider that. There's a lot going on at the cross and even in the psalm. But when he cried to him for help, what's your Bible say? He heard. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. Since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on four radio stations in Southern California, Arizona, Idaho, and Utah, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. 
Our program has also reached listeners in 49 countries. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth's presence on radio and podcast, and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and to expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support is about 25%. Can you give a one-time tax-deductible donation today? Please visit walkintruth.com to donate online or get the mailing address. That's walkintruth.com. If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the Word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And here is the God who made the world, God the Son, through whom everything was made, becoming a man, and suffering on the most despised, humiliated uh, place that you could be afflicted was the cross, to suffer in this way. And though he was despised and rejected, the Father did not abhor the affliction of the afflicted. Neither did he hide or has he hidden his face from him. So that may answer our question about the dynamics. Again, I'll let you consider that. There's a lot going on at the cross and even in the psalm. But when he cried to him for help, what's your Bible say? He heard. God is described in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we can comfort others with the comfort that which, with, with which we've been comforted by God. When we go through affliction and God ministers to us, now we have a platform for ministry. And I would argue that many of you will find your ultimate place in ministry probably in areas where you've suffered the most. Where you can relate to people. You know, sometimes you're talking to someone and maybe they're a brand new Christian and they begin to open their heart to you and they say, I've been through this or I'm going through that. And then you can share your story and say, well, let me tell you something. I did this. I went through that. I did this. I wasn't always a Christian. I wasn't born a preacher. I didn't come out of the womb and say, everybody open your Bible to the book of Psalms. Yeah. No, didn't come out that way. Didn't even roll a pulpit into the living room when my kids were growing up. All right, line up, open your Bibles. Although we did open our Bibles. Can I get an amen from the background? No. (laughs) And when you're going through your affliction, God not only doesn't despise you, 
the Messiah understands. And Hebrews 4 says, he empathizes. He sympathizes with our weaknesses because he was on all points tempted like us yet without sin. So humiliation, affliction, betrayal, unjust suffering, he knows it all. And he will not abhor or reject you when you're at your lowest low. It's part of the power of the Psalms. We can be raw and honest with our God. Our God used the affliction of the Messiah to bring healing to all those who will call upon his name. In fact, it says, by his wounds, we are healed. From thee comes, or the theme is praise here, the theme of my praise. From thee comes, the NIV adds, the theme of my praise, or my praise shall be of you, New King James. In the great assembly, I shall pay my vows before those who fear him, a right response to God's amazing mercies. The afflicted, the poor shall eat and be satisfied. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied, Matthew 5, 6. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Notice the focus once again on the great assembly. It's like the second half of the psalm moves from the suffering of the cross to the reality of what it purchased. It purchased a great congregation. And in the midst of that congregation is the Savior. He is the center of all that we are. He is the center of all that we do. He is our foundation. He is our reason. He is our purpose. He is why we are here tonight. Because without his redemptive work, without his calling us to himself, we would not even probably most of us know each other. Amen? Amen. We never would have been one assembly. We never would have been one people. We never would have come together in this context. We never would have known the depths of what it means to know the Lord, to taste of his spirit, to worship corporately together, to know where we're headed, to know our message, to know our purpose, to know his great love. I can go down the list. But here we are in the midst of the great assembly and at the center of all of this. In fact, the one who walks in the midst of his churches, Revelation 2 and 3, is the Messiah. And it is here that we find the purpose of his suffering. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. From you, O God, comes my reason to praise. When I was uh, brand new to the Christian faith, I have to say that music was uh, something I enjoyed, but not something that I would typically gather together with my friends and sing. Rarely did we ever get together and say, hey, anybody got a song that you want to <laughs> belt out right now? Now, I know that there's some people who have their old high school songs, you know, they, they sing the high school fight song or anthem or whatever. That was not me and my friends. So when I first came to the church, I have to say, singing was a very weird thing to me. And I was typically like a spectator more than anything else. In fact, I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. So when I first went to a Christian church, um, you know, the, if you're familiar with the Roman, Roman Catholic uh, liturgy, uh, I grew up at a time when it was done in Latin and the priest did a lot of the singing. And uh, so the Christian church was a very foreign thing to me. And then the singing on top of that, it was like, hmm, this is interesting. But the Lord now puts a song in our heart, right? 
And it takes a while <laughs> to, to get comfortable with this whole music worship thing. There's no doubt about that. But I love the fact that it becomes a regular part of what we do. And I want you to notice now this call. All the ends of the earth, 27, all the ends of the earth of the world will remember. And the setting is the death of the Messiah, what he's done. All the ends of the earth, and this is a cry of my heart, oh, that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before thee. See, this is a main uh, verse in this particular chapter. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn. You know, mankind, deep in our souls, we know. The other day I had a chance to witness to a young lady and I had about two minutes to share the gospel with her. And I began to ask her if she knew things about the Bible. She said she had a little familiarity with the Bible. And I asked her a little bit about her background. And I said, have you read the Bible before? And she says, I know a little bit of it. I said, have you ever read the Gospel of John? She said, uh, not really, no. I said, do you have a Bible at home? She says, my mom has one. I said, do you know what John 3.16 says? She said, no, I don't. I, says, I said, it says, God so loved the world. He, he so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish. They'll have everlasting life. Have you ever had a moment where you look into somebody's eyes and you can just see the hunger to know God? And I said, I said to her, don't you think that if there is a God, and she told me that she believes that there's a God and that she even has faith, I said, don't you think that if there's a God who made you and who made you in his image, that the most important thing in your life would be to come to know who he is? She said, that makes sense. I said, yes, it makes perfect sense. You were made in his image. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. She actually started write, writing down the scriptures I was giving her. John, what is that, John 3.16? And that's the book of John and told her about the church and it was just, a, she had to go, she was working, so it was kind of just a quick moment. But it was enough just to sense it. You've been listening to The Shepherd Psalms 2, Part 2, on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's second sermon teaching from the rest of Psalm 22. Remember, Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Player FM, Stitcher, and many more. So you can listen to Pastor Michael's teaching whenever you want. If you're already listening to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, please give the podcast a rating. More good ratings means the greater the possibility that new listeners will find the podcast. Thank you for rating Walk in Truth. And remember, if you have not already done it, search and subscribe to Walk in Truth wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, 2021 may be a new year like no other, right? <laughs> I mean, probably every one of us wants to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and start anew. <laughs> and you know what? God's mercies are new every morning. And we have a new year ahead of us, and it's a time for a fresh start. And I'm not talking about diets or, you know, I'm going to get in shape. That may be part of what you want to do. But I'm talking about some spiritual goal setting. I'm talking about, hey, Lord, 
uh, don't say hey. Just say, Lord, <laughs> what would you have me to do in 2021? What would you have me to adjust in my spiritual disciplines, my spiritual life, my time of just enjoying you? Those are the great considerations for a new year. Well, may God bless your 2021 and Thank you that you've made Walk in Truth part of that. We're excited about what's ahead of us. And even though it's been a challenging year, we're excited about what the new opportunities will be for this coming year. Well, tomorrow we have a men's breakfast we've been telling you about. It's a monthly men's breakfast, first Saturday of the month at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway in Lincoln Avenue, 1009 Arsenal Way. Now we start at 8 a.m. We have a great breakfast cooked up special by a great team of guys. We have a time of worship, study, and even breaking into small groups to encourage one another. That's 8 a.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. A great way to start off 2020. Come out to the men's breakfast, 8 a.m. We'll see you here. Driving directions and everything you need at walkintruth.com. God bless you. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your tax-deductible donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Please consider becoming a monthly partner, too. $10 a month is greatly needed. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's second sermon in Psalm 22 called the Shepherd Psalms. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend and a happy new year. And hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.